right. Yeah, it looks like we're good. Looks like looks like we're good. Okay, so try to bring it <laughs> like closer, like kind of like like this is a, I think probably a good position where it's like below your your mouth, so it's not right in the way. Cooper, beat it. All right, so <laughs> okay. So, uh, what's important to you? What's important <laughs> to me? Yeah. Well, bourbon. Bourbon, yeah. Budweiser. <laughs> my routines. Mm-hmm. My routines are important. Uh, used to be running was important, but I can't do that anymore. Yeah. And um, I can't speak of the other things. Not not <laughs> appropriate for a podcast. Those like family secrets? No, they're my secrets. Okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough. You got any uh, any words of wisdom you can impart impart on me? <clears throat> As you so often have, you know, that I could go back to and. You know, possibly, because uh, it seems like whenever whenever you do impart those words of wisdom, I'm in some kind of crisis. You know, like I'm like like stressed out or something because I'm like oh, I'm I'm spending too much time on the internet or I'm doing this wrong, or I'm doing that wrong, and and then you're like, hey, you know, and you have like a sentence of like you're only doing, you know, you're making the best decision you you know how to make with the information you have at the time. That's all you're ever doing, and it's like. Like blows my mind, and suddenly it's like a, like a realization that it's like, oh wow, I guess I'm, I'm, you know, I guess I'm doing okay. You know what I mean? Like, you got any other uh, colloquialisms or? I had a friend. I have a friend, an old friend from college days who uh, I text back and forth with. I haven't seen her for a long time, but um, recently. Uh, uh, for some reason, I mentioned all these ailments to her in, uh, the last time I texted her. Mm-hmm. And she replied, what ailments are you talking about? And uh, I had a whole long list of them, one of which was, um, well, one of which was the inability to pass through metal detectors, mm-hmm. uh, one of which was... Um, the inability to acquire wisdom, uh, one of which was um, uh, um, uh, the um, regret, oh, existential, ex- existential regret at having wasted my life in the pursuit of, of cheap bourbon and... <laughs> And women, cheap women, cheap bourbon and cheap women. Cheap women? Yeah. So, uh, no. I, <laughs> wisdom is something that, you know, has escaped me. And uh, I may have pulled the wool over your eyes at <laughs> certain points, but you, you, you'll catch on uh-huh. sooner rather than later. It's all, you're all just, uh, 
it's all hollow. There's nothing <laughs> a mile yeah. wide, inch deep. Yeah, it's worse than hollow. <laughs> pointing in the wrong direction. Uh huh. Do you so you, like? But do you really think that's what you've been like spending your life doing, or is that just kind of like the like a a fun thing to say? <laughs> no, that's the truth. My life has been. It's a sad story of illicit pursuit. Yeah, but why would you get married if you were always in pursuit of like cheap women? Well, have you met my wife? <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is but like, if isn't it like the object? Wouldn't the objective be to keep getting different cheap women? I think actually, what I said was floozy women. Oh, floozy women. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Floozy women. What does that mean? What? What is flu? Like I, I've what? only heard floozy in the same sense of like almost like like when someone refers to like a broad. You know what I mean? It's like an old timey or like a a flapper or something or like some kind of old timey way of referring to women, like she, you know, that floozy over there type thing. Have you ever read Charles Bukowski? No. Hmm. Well, I'm not sure if he mentions floozy women, women, but you should read them. Uh-huh. There's a bit of wisdom for you. Read Charles Mikowski. Yeah. Yeah. Floozy, uh, well, it, um, you know, it's like, you know, it's the kind of woman you meet in a bar smoking cigarettes. Okay. That you can share cheap bourbon with. <laughs> and uh, you know, usually she's pretty drunk at the time that you, that you meet her. Uh-huh. And, you know, all that goes with that. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sure you've met floozy women. Maybe you just, maybe you just haven't. Uh... No, I've met floozy women. I'm, I'm, See, you know. I'm, you I'm know. conflicted about what to do about them sometimes. Because I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, like, kind of dealing with one right now where it's kind of like, I know it's not going to go anywhere positive necessarily, but it's kind of like, it's a lot of fun, you know? So it's just like, it's kind of almost like, I, I think I wrestle with this whole thing of, of um, just, you know, sometimes wanting to be like totally impulsive and just indulge in whatever like primal urge there is and, and, and just like... Um, and I think a lot of people deal with this, right? Where it's like the balance of wanting to either be impulsive or responsible, you know, and they're like kind of trying to find the the medium somewhere where you can kind of look at yourself in the mirror and and defend yourself to yourself, I guess, and not not be like you know just having a bunch of unprotected sex with like floozy women <laughs> and and uh, and, and uh, you know, showing up to work late and and uh, like uh, not getting any not getting anything done, not getting any sleep, and just you know really uh, possibly messing up messing up uh, different foundations that allow you to even have the freedom to occasionally pursue floozy women and drugs and you know adventure and pleasure and whatever. But that. The, the, the great thing about floozy women <laughs> is uh, <clears throat> um, you can you, you you can 
there's somewhere where you can tell your deepest, darkest secrets. Mm-hmm. And uh, because flus, God, I could, by the end of this interview, I could be, you realize I could be uh, accused of being a misogynist. It's, yeah, it's not really an interview. It's kind of going in that direction, isn't it? It, yeah, sometimes I think, but I think sometimes I think you know what I think there's like gonna be a, there's like a pushback right now with all this like kind of um, like no one can say anything like negative about women or negative about black people or negative about trans people. It's like you know there's still people like I think there's still like a thing when someone's a person where you can be critical of and and have an opinion on people. It, it doesn't they're not mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes you know it's like sometimes there's like there's people that yeah it's like i think i've said it pretty clearly but yeah it's just i've i've kind of pushed back on a lot of that recently where it's like i'm i'm still voting a certain way i still believe in generally like there should be a certain level of equality as as you know you should be striving to get there but it's like still like there's a reality of different situations and and it's not everyone's the same you know not everyone's a saint necessarily or you know there's I'm not casting any aspersions on floozy women. Yeah. I wouldn't be around today if it was. (laughs) If it wasn't for floozy women? Yeah. If I didn't have a chance to sit elbow to elbow in a bar and tell my worst personality traits and have the, the, the great expectation that it's going no further. Yeah, that's that's like kind of the fun of it. Is it's like you I feel like I can like totally be myself with like um with I guess like a woman that can that I guess has like seen a lot, you know what I mean? Has like almost like seen like the worst in people or something and is, you know, not surprised necessarily by whatever it is your demons are, whatever it is you're saying. At least in my experience, that's kind of been, that's kind of been, been it. It's like they've had either some kind of like tough upbringing or something, or they work a job like bartending or like they work at a convenience store. And so they just see like every day, like, you know, the whole range of people coming in. And so it's like, whatever you're coming there with, whatever, uh, you know, whatever demons you're coming with, it's like, it's, it's, it's like they don't, I'm not, I don't know if they don't judge you for it, but it's like you can, it's like easier because it's also like there's, there's also the expectation that it's not going anywhere really. It's also kind of just like, I don't know. It's almost, it's almost like a disposable transaction sometimes in a, in a fucked up, not fucked up, but it's a reality a matter of the fact way. We just went yesterday to see a, an exhibit, um, mm-hmm. By Romare Bearden, uh, he's a African American artist and one of his uh, a collage artist. And one of his um, one of the subject matters that he found near and dear to, to his heart was there were certain women in the in the old South tradition who I can't remember the name of the class. Of women that they were, I can't remember the exact terminology, but mm-hmm. essentially they were uh, witch women in the sense that they understood her herbs and um, potions and uh, and were 
the repositories of great wisdom that um, people in the in, in the old South would go to for um, to for guidance and to mm. uh, um, um, have uh, you know to for medicinal purposes and and but they were they were they were uh, considered powerful and strong and and benevolent and looked up to mm. um, and heat and uh, Romare Bearden um, had great respect and and treated them and uh, oftentimes in in his collages and uh, I, I found them to be totally magical and um, mm. and powerful in the sense that they illustrated they illustrate a uh, an aspect of ourselves in this modern society um, that uh, I think we've lost lost sight of I mean you, you and I have talked oftentimes about our our mistrust of religion and mm. um, and the whole uh, magical thinking tendency that that represents but his um, his art speaks to me has echoes of that aspect of things that I the you know the I, I, I don't know how to put words to it because I don't mm. like any of the words that are used to describe it like spirituality or mysticism or or you know mm -hmm. paranormal or any of that but but there 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 is a, a quality of um awe that, about the universe that I that I think we're missing um that it's easy to to dismiss and miss in in our modern life Mm. That he that I that I find he really captures in yeah. in his work, uh, but uh, this is kind of a long way around to getting back to the point that that's what floozy women <laughs> represent to me in today's society. They're the they're the the the, the medicinal women with the uh, with with the wisdom and knowledge that um, you need to go to uh, now and then to sustain your uh, a wholesome world view. Okay. <laughs> so when was the last time you were uh, elbow to elbow <laughs> with a floozy woman and, and your cheap bourbon? Oh, you know, every day in my imagination. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's probably where it's always been, to tell you the truth. This is a pretty surprising answer. I didn't, I really didn't think it would go this way. I thought, um, <laughs> it's just a pretty great answer, though. <laughs> it was very honest, you know what I mean? It's like, it, at least as, as far as I can tell, it's like, you know, if I think about most of my life up until this point, it kind of does, in a in a bizarre way, like center around something to do with like, um, like trying to balance out like the the impulse 
to to I guess like spend a bunch of time involved with like possibly like I, the way I put it is like almost like possibly like like uh like possibly like dangerous women. You know what I mean? Like dangerous in the sense that it's like it's not like the safe bet. You know what I mean to to be constantly like talking to or hanging out with these women or you wouldn't necessarily want to like get enter a financial agreement with with these women or something like that but it's like a lot of fun and there's a lot to be learned and there's a lot of like you know but it's like it's like not safe you know and it's it's you can get you can get hurt you know <laughs> you, you know you can uh you know but it's still I don't know. It's like almost like the hunt or something, you know? It's like there's this like it's like this other world you kind of want to understand and it is like this kind of uncharted territory in in a way and it gets it's uh like you're flying closer and closer to the sun in a way. <laughs> and it's and it's like if there's like a through line of like, you know, probably even like the hairstyle or the, the, the job or whatever. It's like, there's always still kind of this, this element of wanting to, uh, just, you, you, you're trying to put yourself in position to (laughs) be able to, to be able to like, I don't know if it's the same thing we're talking about. Cause it's like, you know, I think you're, you're not talking explicitly about sex and like most of it to me is like still like it's still there, but it is also like the, the, I, I enjoy like talking to like a, um, like a woman that is like really like, that is like seen some shit, you know what I mean? That is like seen a lot of shit and like, you know, you can, whatever, like again, whatever you're going to tell her is not, is does not compare to whatever dark shit she has seen that, you know, if she would tell you about it, it would, it would be, you know, it would be really just far worse than whatever you're talking about. And almost like shocking that it, that people have seen what they've seen and they're seemingly together as a person. So I don't know. It's uh when do you think? When do you think? When do you think you like you started to realize that though? That, that was what your life your life was about. What? Like when do you think you started to realize that? Like, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what my life's about. It's about <laughs> <laughs> this is my brand. This is my brain. Not your, maybe not your brand, but that's. When did you realize that was like the answer, or at least what you thought was the answer? Well, the. Um, I don't think that uh, uh, that I don't think that that's the that was the I don't think any answer is um, carries weight beyond the moment of the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, discard everything I've said All right. up to this point. And forever hereafter. All right. Because immediately away. out of my mouth, it, it, 
it, it transforms into something I regret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the way, that's the question I ask to end every podcast is what's important to you. And, uh, Wait, isn't that what you asked at the beginning of this podcast? Yeah, that's what I asked at the beginning because I didn't know what else. And to you're, say. Ask, you're asking it again? No, 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 no. That's 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 all. That's all there is. Because I didn't know what else to start with. I didn't know what else to to talk about. Because you're such a you're such a you got so many secrets <laughs> and uh, you don't you know you don't talk a lot. So I figured I probably should just get to it. Well, you know this podcast is a Good illustration of why I don't talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jordan, thank you. This has been wonderful. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I think so. Let me, uh... All right. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Anything else you want to talk about, or is this you good? Well, I'm good for now. We may have to you know, crank up the microphone again. Okay, cool. That'd be cool. Do you like a part two? Yeah, exactly. All right, sounds good. Okay, is it going? It's going. All right, this time I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn off the mic so it gets quiet to uh, to see where it goes. You're not going to. Turn off the mic till it gets quiet? No, when it gets quiet. When it gets quiet. You last turned off the, the, what, the quiet part. That's the most important part. No, I stopped the podcast after the, uh, after the conversation started to wind down after 20 minutes. And then we had the whole other conversation afterwards, which could have been on mic if I just let, the, let it keep going. I see. Yeah. Anyway, so what, what's... Uh, What's like this part of your life like? Like when you're, I guess, like in pseudo, it's like semi-retirement, and and you're kind of, you know, I guess like in like the last stage of your life. Well, um, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, uh, you, as you know, two just about two years ago, right about now, I was diagnosed with. Uh, leukemia, and uh, the uh, oncologist at the time that he told me what was going on prefaced the news by saying, lots of people when they get this news, lots of people when they hear this learn, uh, find that uh, they spend the rest of their lives um, with heightened appreciation of beauty, seeing beauty in everything around them. Mm-hmm. This was before he told me what was going on. <laughs> I had a sense that the news wasn't going to be all that good after that statement. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, but that hasn't been my experience that, that, uh, beauty thing hasn't been my experience um mm. there i i've i've uh, took some courses in college about samurais you know committing s- seppuku um and uh they 
uh, were required to write a death poem the night before they committed suicide. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of these have been collected into anthologies, and um, uh, they're all about. At least all the ones I've read are about. <clears throat> suddenly found appreciation for the beauty of the moon and the sound of crickets and uh, mm -hmm. the reflection of the moon in the water. And um, I, that just hasn't been my experience. Um, mm -hmm. it, I guess... Uh, you know, it's hard to say. There, I, I have a, a uh, certainly there's um, what's entered my consciousness has a has been a um, well a heightened awareness that my time is short in a way that is hard to appreciate uh, before you get news like this. I mean, you know, I, everybody is aware that you know, that. that Death is part of their. It's going to be somewhere out there in the distant future, but yeah. pretty easy to um, kind of wave that off um, and and think, uh, yeah, I'll I'll confront that when the time comes. But for the time being, there's plenty of other things to, other things to do. Mm -hmm. Now my experience is that um, I really don't do anything without that awareness, the awareness of my uh, mortality and, and pending death it, it is part of the mix of um, the thoughts that I, that I have. It's mm -hmm. never, never far from the surface. Which um, uh, you know, I've done a lot of meditating, and uh, the the one of the premises of Zen is to uh, I mean some of the meditation exercises that Zen masters used to give to their students was to make them go sit all night long in a graveyard. Uh, or mm. sit all night long with a freshly dead corpse, or better yet, a not-so-fresh corpse, one that had a good ripe smell to it and lots of maggots crawling around in it, mm -hmm. with the intent of um, uh, heightening the awareness of death in Everybody, so it's a tenet of Zen that if you carry this sense of of the preciousness of life around with you, that uh, or the the notion that if you carry this sense of death around with you, you, mm -hmm. you will develop a, a feeling about the preciousness of life. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I can't say. Even that has been my experience. It's been more uh, that this this understanding of that death is near 
hovering right below the surface has uh, uh, causes more of a, a sense of sadness mm. and loss, loss of that innocence, I guess, it, it is really what the loss is all about, that mm. innocence of, you know, being able to push off the notion of death. Um, and the sadness, uh, I think I've come to understand that the sadness is, in a sense, a an appreciation and uh, a... a um, and in a kind of twisted way, an understanding of beauty mm-hmm. in the sense that the sadness, I've come to understand it as a an homage to the things that are important to me and the things that have been um, dear to me in, in my life. The sadness is a way of honoring those things. So, you know, uh, the I think the the I mean, my personality kind of has a dark side to it. In any case, but um, I think that the kind of the notion that uh, an awareness of death should promote an understanding of beauty in a way that one never could or a mm-hmm. understanding of the preciousness of life i think uh is a can be a disservice to people in the same way that you know society might expect people to always put a bright face forward and to always um you know show a jolly happy face to the world mm-hmm. i think that's a disservice in not allowing uh people to fully embrace their, um, you know, the side of themselves that isn't cheerful and bright, mm-hmm. which is a side of myself that I've nurtured all my life, <laughs> that dark side. <laughs> so how's that wrap things up? Yeah, there was one part that I was kind of confused about, though, when you were saying, like, the sadness was kind of like, almost like something positive in a way that it was like almost like a like an homage or something to the the things you appreciate i think i know what you mean but i kind of want you to expand on that because i don't like that was like surprising when you said it well um you you know you don't it's like similar to um saying, you know, that uh, the worst thing about, the worst, if if you're in a relationship with somebody and um, the, the choices you have about, and say that relationship has to end for some reason and, and the, uh, the, um, the, the, there, there's a number of ways that the other person could perceive of uh, that relationship. What they could love you, and you know, you might think that's what you, what you, how you want them to to remember you. 
they might hate you. Mm-hmm. You might think that's not such a good way of being remembered. Or they may, may just not give a shit mm-hmm. <laughs> that the relationship has ended. And the, you know, the, the thing about that is, it, in my mind, it would be much better to have someone hate you than be indifferent to the end of, of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in a similar kind of way, you know, the feeling of sadness is a is a is a an acknowledgement that that what that what you're leaving, what you're going to soon be leaving behind, has impacted you. Um, I don't think the analogy is quite the same because mm-hmm. uh, there's in the sadness that I feel there's uh, I don't I don't have animosity toward the people and events that I'm going to be leaving behind but in a similar way a strong feeling you know I guess the point is a strong feeling whether a positive feeling or a negative feeling is a valid um, uh, a valid um, acknowledgement of of the events that uh, that um, have uh, transpired and the people that are, you're going to be leaving, mm-hmm. but rather than indifference, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. So like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But you're probably, you know, when you asked this question, we're probably more like expecting me to say, oh yeah. I've been just looking forward to the days when I could spend my life golfing and fishing, right? That's what no, you're expecting. No, not really. No, I thought it was just going to just going to talk about like if anything, I thought you were going to go in the direction <laughs> which you haven't done this whole this many times where it's like I'll think you're probably going to go one way and you go a different way. Uh but I was I was thinking you were going to go like in terms of like, you know, uh, you know, retirement wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I kind of have more time to watch television and do art and bike around, and I still have my routine, and, you know, it's just kind of eventually it's going to end, but I'm taking more trips. And I thought at least that was, like, my understanding of it. That was, it was like... Because I remember when when, like, I heard the news and then, like, called you about it, it, you you seemingly like were handling it the best way I like had ever seen someone handle something like that, where you just like totally, or at least seemingly totally accepted it. You know what I mean? And you were kind of excited at the time, where it was kind of like, yeah, this is kind of like, it's kind of like 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 made me think about things in a different way, and and you know that it's I'm not gonna just be sad about it because I can't control it and it's just going to be, you know, I have another appointment in, in a number of weeks and we'll see how it is then, but, you know, you're going like this trip to Iceland or something and and I was like, wow, that's like, that's impressive. But like, what do you think, what do you think uh, like changed between that point probably like two years ago and 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 now that it's kind of become more more of what you just said. Well, I think I think you know. I think I think I always had mixed mm-hmm. feelings about retirement. Um, 
I think, you know, it's a, another phase of life and um, there's challenges to each phase of your life and that's true of, of retirement as well. You're giving up um, activities, work. You know, work can really be an important uh, element in your self-image and defining what you, what you do and uh, to give up that portion of your life you also give up that portion of your self-image mm-hmm. which can be a difficult things to, thing to do because what do you replace it with and mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I'm still in that transition Diane is working and I find myself having moments of thinking you know she's carrying the burden now and I'm just kind of reaping the benefits and taking it easy mm-hmm. doing the things I want to do uh, so you know there's uh, there's that um, emotional detail to confront and decide and to try to figure out a positive way to um, resolve it not, not through that yet haven't resolved it yet mm-hmm. it uh, then the other thing, the other challenge, one other challenge is that there's these extra hours in your day and how do you fill them in a way that feels productive and worthwhile? Mm-hmm. Um, so far, somehow the, those hours just seem to be fleeing by and, uh, I really haven't found myself sitting around being bored exactly sure what I fill them with it seems like I spend my day cleaning up after breakfast and (laughs) doing dishes and brushing my teeth and and then all of a sudden Diane's home from work and I'm like there was a time when I could fit all this stuff into like before I went to work so how how is it that now it takes the whole day to do it that's how I felt about summer break that it suddenly my day would I would like only eat like twice a day, and like I'd I'd wake up at some not like ridiculous hour, but I'd be waking up at, like ten thirty, and then I'd go eat breakfast, and then I'd like do the dishes and like brush my teeth and stuff, and the next thing I knew it was like like near one o'clock, and then I would you know like do some other activity, but pretty quickly it would be like dinner time. And my dad would be coming home from work, and then I'd like watch a movie or something afterwards, and then I would do something similar where it was like the same kind of thing where somehow it was like taking me all this time to like clean up the kitchen and maybe the news would be on in the background and I'd like you know I'd like kind of get into some news story or something or or um, but yeah it just felt like I like like these days were just going by. And and time was moving very quickly, and it wasn't that. And it was it was like you know I was like thinking about like damn when I went to when I was in school I was like I'd I'd have this schedule and I'd have fitness class and I'd have you know all these different activities where I'd learn you know a bunch of things and then once and I interact with people you know what I mean I'd, I'd have that interaction uh, with people I'd leave the house more. And then it was suddenly like summer break would come around, and if there was no like plan, 
it would just kind of yeah it, it would just be kind of it would just kind of become this thing where I felt like I was like a shell of myself or something where I knew I could be doing more and I, it was just like like nothing was happening now I suppose it has something to do with like you kind of slow down your activities and mm-hmm. and I, you know maybe there's a you know maybe there's a benefit to it in that you you know take more time to appreciate the feel of the dishwater while you're washing Mm -hmm. dishes and look at the sun coming through the window and, and, uh, and then, and so you get kind of lost in these little mini reveries throughout the course of the day while you're doing just typical stuff. And Mm -hmm. so those things stretch out in a way that you don't allow them to when you're, rushing off to class or yeah. getting ready to go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, and, you know, I've heard that uh, this is a period you have to go through in retirement of, uh, you know, kind of floundering around for some period of time before things start to fall in place. I mean, I've had, you know, I'm, there's tons of things I would like to, to do. I'd like to spend more time doing artwork and take some printmaking classes and, um, and, uh, but, um, they haven't risen to a level of urgency in my mind yet that makes me move on them. I guess, you know, maybe you have to go through this period of, Mm -hmm. uh, allowing yourself to kind of drift and, you know, look at the sunshine coming in through the window for a while until it gels about what you want to do, what you want to do next. Yeah. Not quite there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's interesting. That's like, there's been other things like that. I think with me too, where there's like, you, you almost like knowingly give yourself enough time to kind of hit rock bottom and then (laughs) whatever rock bottom might be with anything. And uh, and then it's like you kind of come to this realization of like, okay, I've, I've, <laughs> I'm ready now. I was kind of thinking about it for a while. I think that's even like what the podcast, what it was for a while. It was, it was like there was this kind of idea loosely of like, yeah, I think I might want to do some kind of podcast thing that was like going on for like a year and a half. And then eventually it kind of hit this point where it's like, okay, I'm ready to spend the money <laughs> on the equipment and I'm ready to like research it and like you know put it together and and make it happen. But yeah, um, I don't know any, well, any f- that, that thing about hitting rock bottom interests me. You know the um, the, the once again back to the whole notion of Zen. Um, I think there's a the tradition in Zen meditating is that um, a lot of people have the, the notion that you know you sit down to meditate and and uh, quickly come to a place of peace and mm-hmm. and serenity and um, which I I think is true in the first ten minutes that you meditate but but 
as you sit there longer than that, you soon mm-hmm. become uncomfortable and uh, you start to have thoughts popping into your mind that you would prefer not to be thinking. And yeah. um, the longer you extend that, the more uncomfortable it becomes. And uh, the, the, so there's kind of a whole tradition of um, sitting through that uncomfortableness mm-hmm. to the point that where it becomes kind of extreme. And, uh, uh, and at the point of most discomfort, extreme discomfort, and, uh, which is analogous to rock bottom, mm-hmm. is the point where beneficial things can start to happen. Sometimes I find when I sit down to meditate, though, it's, like, uncomfortable, like, pretty much from, like, the second minute on, you know? Like, it's, like, there's kind of the first couple deep breaths, and then there's, like, whatever thoughts, like, that you're kind of, you know, like you were saying, that you kind of would rather not be there, just start to really, especially, like, times, like, you know, like, flying in from Philadelphia to Nashville, where it's, like, suddenly I'm totally disconnected from whatever, had like, like environment, you know what I mean, I was, I was used to, and, you know, I have to give up certain control of, of my life to, you know, to, to be back in this house and stuff like that, and, and then whatever situations I'm dealing with there, I just can't access, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, like, the sitting down to meditate with that, it's just like quickly all these thoughts of like whatever it is, you know, are like, are just, are in my mind. And, and it's like a restlessness or something, you know, where it's just, just quick, not, it's like, it's like almost like I, and it's normally like every time I visit here, at least for the first couple of days, it's like that. And then eventually it kind of, slows all the way down and I get into that almost like retirement cycle of like like all I'm gonna do is is sit by the pool and talk to people in my family and maybe occasionally go into town and then and then I go back into it but but yeah I don't know something about uh and sometimes in Philadelphia too, it's just like you sit down to meditate, and it's like if you're really restless, it just it doesn't it. There's not even the first ten minutes. Where normally normally that is the case. Like in most cases, it was like either before bed or just like you know when I had time uh, sitting down to meditate. If I like remembered and had time, you know what I mean. Sitting down to meditate, it would be like relaxing. It would be like a thing where it'd be like everything would kind of would kind of mellow out. You know, mm-hmm. everything we kind of come to a still and uh, not so much now. Now it just feels like everything is moving very fast and that there's like, there's, even though there is enough time, right? There's still time. It just feels like there's never enough time. It feels like time is, is, is like moving very quickly and it feels like, like there's a lot of change at once and there's a lot of like decisions that have to be made and there's a lot of pressure to like figure things out, you know, there's a lot of pressure to like, you know, have, um, 
different school stuff figured out, different career stuff figured out, and where I'm going to live figured out, and, you know, what I'm going to do about uh, just trying to think about what I want to, like, again, like, what I want to do with my life, meaning even, like, the work schedule thing of, like, do I want to, you know, try to find something where I can not have to work a nine to five and be able to work from home and be able to, you know, how does that even get done? Do I have to research that? You know, it's like, it's kind of just a lot, a lot that, a lot of stuff kind of going on at once. And then there's also like the question of like, how much am I depending on other people for things? You know what I mean? Like coming out of a relationship, it's like, you know, how much, uh, was I leaning on on her or leaning on my friends or something for like some kind of like emotional support? You know what I mean? Should I even be dating people right now? Is that even like a healthy idea to be doing any of that? You know, is it like, is there like a period of time after you're out of a relationship that it's kind of like a recovery period that you should kind of be somewhat alone and get used to being alone more? And there's like kind of, better days and worse days with that but it's like and it's never really that bad it's just like restlessness sometimes sometimes the lack of like when normally there's a person around to talk to, to about stuff nor, you know like there's like a restlessness when there's not and then you you know look inward and then sometimes it's like a nice kind of okay it settles out and then the thoughts come in and then it's like you know like I, I guess I haven't I think I've tried pushing through it, but I'm, I'm not sure if I've gotten to any place. Uh, maybe once or twice, but not often, <laughs> to the point of like, like something, you know, something great happens, you know, after after that period. Yeah, I haven't ever had the um, big realization experience that uh, people claim that should be out there. I yeah. Uh, you know, it seems to me that the, perhaps there are people whose brains are wired in a way to um, that they uh, have these experiences, but hasn't been hasn't been my experience. Yeah. But I wonder about you when those uh, in the urgency you feel to. Um, resolve those things that are that that you wrestle with Mm -hmm. i think that is one kind of difference in the way i've lived my life is that um i don't think i've quite felt that urgency to resolve things and i have Mm -hmm kind of ha- had sort of a natural patience with uh, allowing myself to... I just have the expectation that doors will open mm-hmm. as I move forward, and a lot of... Many things will resolve themselves without the need to spend a lot of time trying to to see every angle and and make the right 
right choice. The right choice hasn't been something that I've striven after mm-hmm. most of my life. It's been more, let's see what <laughs> what develops and whatever it is is going to be interesting. Yeah. And uh, I, I've kind of always felt like trying to direct, trying to ha- make the decisions that will direct my life can be a uh, detriment in that uh, it um, can blind me to the kind of interesting things that are going on if I just open my eyes to them as yeah. I move through my life. Yeah. I think there's I mean, a lot of people would, yeah. would see that as uh, not a good trait. Um, uh, and, you know, many people feel that you, in order to achieve anything in your life, you have to plan it out and make sure you uh, have each step of the way. How are you going to climb the ladder, the corporate ladder? How are you going to, yeah. um, you know, what is the relationship that's most desirable to allow you to climb your way through life? I, I've always been averse to that 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 attitude and have preferred to um, allow things to unfold rather than, than to try to force them. I think, because I think one, you know, thing is that um, it's an, people have an illusion about, about being able to control their, their lives. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I think the one advantage to not trying to map out your life is that it allows you to be more nimble. And uh, when an opportunity comes along, and I'm not just talking about financial opportunity or or relationship opportunity, but opportunities can take all sorts of forms yeah. if you allow them, if you're going through life in a way that allows you to see them rather than try to predetermine what you think is the best way through and, and try to make plans to achieve that. Yeah. It's almost like the way you were talking about doing art where it's like, you'll, you'll kind of have an idea loosely and then you'll start going a certain direction with it. And then eventually it like hits a point where either you're going to like force your will upon it or you're going to like kind of let it go in the direction. It's kind of, you know, you're kind of feeling, feeling like it should go. Well, you, you often hear writers, especially, talk about that they uh, novelists talk about some point in their writing where the the characters are kind of take on their own personality, and it's the writer's responsibility just to allow that personality to shine forth rather than to try to create something. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I find that uh, in my artwork, it, it doesn't happen very often, but when it's working best is when I've um, made some marks on the paper and, and allow those marks to suggest mm-hmm. the way forward rather than to try to preconceive of some thing I want to... I want to express and 
And I just never have luck with those preconceived art pieces. They yeah. pretty soon degenerate into um, meaninglessness to me. So yeah, I mm. think there's a lot to. I think there's a lot to be said for allowing um, the world to present itself to you rather than try to control it. So just kind of like. But there's still, like, I guess uh, there's some things I've taken that approach with and, like, a lot of interactions I have, I take that approach. But I, I think there's a certain kind of piece of it where it almost comes to, like, um, you know, it's like you bought a house. You know what I mean? Like, at a certain point, that is, that's kind of like choosing what you're probably going to do for a number of years or, like, owning a pet. You know what I mean? There's kind of a a thing where you're like planning your feet in terms of the nimbleness you could, you could have, or, you know, choosing a, a, um, like a career path. And it, again, all you're doing is like making the best decision with the information you have at the time. Right. But there's still, I think, I think, it, it, and it's not like rational. Cause obviously like when I sit down and think about it, I'm like, okay, that's all I'm doing. This seems like the best decision at the time. Maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. You know, here we go. But I think there's still kind of this this thing where you realize, like, okay, if if this is a if this doesn't work, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or if this is a you know, there's like a a loss in terms of either the investment or your I guess it's not really a loss. I guess it's it's all it's. I think it's just like probably like outward pressure that I'm giving into about like the idea that you're supposed to figure certain things out at a certain time and you're supposed to kind of you know have some kind of plan that that I think eventually with other ideas like outward kind of ideas like that I've rejected a lot of them. That one is probably one that I I haven't rejected yet. Where there's like like other ideas about I guess like. Um, I don't know. There's other ideas in general that I think I've naturally kind of just either played devil's advocate or been a contrarian to, and and that one about having things figured out, and you know, I don't know. I think I've, I don't know. I think I've just kind of made a lot of promises to people. I feel like you know what I mean. I feel like I kind of just just feel like I'm caught in the middle of different things where it's almost like there's always like a there's always like a you're always going to lose something either way where it's like you know it's either I move to California afterwards or I move somewhere else or I move stay in Philadelphia and there's no way to kind of do all the things at once but it's kind of like realizing well, there, there are choices that have to be made you yeah. can't you can't even the the choice even doing nothing is a choice yeah you've chosen not to do something, but um, so you can't avoid choices. Um, uh, I guess uh, uh, what I'm talking about is just, you know, trying to, it's sometimes, you know, tempting to try to work it all out oh, okay. in a way, way sooner than, than it's appropriate to, to, to need to work something out. Mm -hmm. You know, that decision about 
whether to stay in Philadelphia or move to San Francisco, I'll bet will be a decision that pretty much makes itself as you, you know, find yourself at the end of school and, and um, you know, either, you know, certain opportunities open up or they don't open up or certain relationships happen or they don't happen. And, mm-hmm. and um, you, you pretty much get to a point where you say, you'll say to yourself either there's enough going on here that is fascinating and interesting and keeps my attention. Mm. So I'm just going to stay here or there's not. And, and so maybe I'll go to San Francisco to see what I can discover. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Just, uh, just, uh, staying open to, to whatever possibilities come along at the moment. Yeah. Which can alleviate the, the, you know, the anxiety around feeling like you have to make all those, those decisions prematurely. Yeah, even just thinking about it that way is kind of relieves that, where it's like that you can just reject the premise, you know, <laughs> you know almost, where, some, where there's the pre- like the idea that you should, you know, what are you going to do after you graduate? It's like, I'll figure it out closer to then, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll, you know, that'll be what happens then. There's a lot of things that could happen up until that point that yeah. I'd have no idea, really. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Am I allowed to chew ice cubes in this? Yeah, of course. Sometimes we eat on the podcast. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, it's a mess. But it's, yeah. you know. I'd really like a cigarette. Do you have any cigarettes? Any cigarettes? Not here. <laughs> Are you back smoking cigarettes? No. Have you thought about that? Like, as you're kind of, like, if they if they say, like, you know, hey, you know, for sure, you have 10 days. Like, have you thought about, like, just cracking open a pack and just every moment since I quit, I've thought about what do you, you think there's like, like, would you do, hypothetically, right? Would you do that? If that, that was the situation, if I had 10 days to live. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I think so. Why not? I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's, I don't know if there's like a, if it was like a thing, like a, like a, like a a hard moral or mental rule of just like I'm going to outpower this like mind power this this addiction thing and and never again I said never and that was it Hmm. you know which I don't I don't think I do well with with those hard rules I think eventually just falls apart at some point. But yeah, anything you want to ask me? When are you going to be out? out when what? are you coming to visit? I don't know. Probably uh, Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving is probably the time. I think Fred and Laura are also coming too. Oh, yeah? I think I oh. think maybe. I think oh. they keep talking about how they want to come out and see everyone. And So I think I think that should be the time to do it, Thanksgiving and because now, now I've done kind of the Philadelphia Thanksgiving circuit. 
for the most part. I think I've I've done two out of the three. I did the Bruce and Sue one, the uh, Philip Michelle one, and there's one with the Weiches up in uh, Winmore. Yeah, Winmore, and uh, you know I did Christmas with them last year, so I think I've kind of I've kind of overstayed my welcome <laughs> with, them, with their family uh, holiday events. And, uh, and yeah, it'll be good to see everyone again, and it'll be good to get out there, especially if there's no fires, you know? Yeah, that remains to be seen. Yeah. Well, all right, probably should we get dinner, or unless you want to keep it going until they get us. <laughs> well, I think uh, I'm all spoke out. Yeah, well... Uh, all right, that's, that's pretty much the appropriate amount of time. Well, how much? That's an hour and five minutes total wow. with the other 20 minutes in there. So now I'm like right in there with the That's a real norm. episode now. I'm now like, it's, a, yeah, it's a real full episode. All right. All right. Well, uh, thanks again. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs>